citizens. Let me say this, as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, we've got to be careful and make sure that in everything, man, we are trying to get as close to what the word says as possible. And we got to understand that with that type of wickedness, man, you know, God does not wink at that. There's judgment. Promoting truth, wisdom, and empowerment. And you don't have shades of truth. You have truth or you have error. You have fact or you have fiction. And now we go into the thick of it. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Erin Addison's. On American Family Radio, thank you so much for listening. I'm Miki. And I'm Will. Oh, man, I think we have a huge delay. I, I noticed some um, some technical issues as we were uh, as we were coming to air. Mm-hmm. And so I'm thinking maybe that that has um, been realized with the, with the delay. Okay. Um, I don't know if realize is the right word. <clears throat> Just an attempt to sound smart. <laughs> I should get someone who's more technical <laughs> who can tell us uh, yeah. exactly what that means. But anyways, um, I'm glad that people are listening. We're still, uh, I guess, of sorts continuing our conversation um, as we look ahead to um, 2021. And there's often talk about, you know, what we can do better and um, those kinds of things. I think that conversation is best anchored by the spiritual implications of of what we say, you right. know, and how we feel about going into a new year. And um, and so we wanted to continue on with with that discussion. Today's focus turns to our children. Okay. So if we're doing like a spiritual inventory, you know, looking back at um, 2020, of course, you know, ag- again, there's much that will be discussed and much that will um, uh, be explored about 2020. Right. But I think also you cannot neglect the effect of this past year on children. Yeah. Right. And how that affects them. But there is also of eternal significance, you know, the question whether or not parents are preparing children for the world that they are going to inherit that they haven't. Inherited. I mean, it is it exists right now and probably will only get worse. Um, I tend to think that way. I don't mean to sound doom and gloom, but I think we have to approach things with great sobriety and we have to be able to say, hey, you know, this is what it looks like. And the scriptures, you know, seem to point to men only getting worse and worse. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I don't you know. Yeah. So so how how do we operate in the midst of that? You know, I, I think one of the things that we have to do is allow ourselves to be vexed by the culture around us and exist in that tension. Right. Where, um, you know, we're in the world, but we're not of it. Right. We are compelled to reach people and to see them uh, come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ as we have so graciously come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ and at the same time not be partakers of wickedness, right? Like we can't participate um, while we are still immersed in this culture. And of course, we always go back to the straight edge, the word of God, the way that we do that, the sort of the, um, I don't know, the, the, the protective balm, if you will, the protective ointment becomes the word of God that right. when we are steeped in the word of God, we're not given to, participating in what is happening in the culture rather we want to expose it and we want to warn other believers which is what we do on this show um hopefully um that comes across but i think our children in particular is what we wanted to focus on will the great you sent me an article that i was i was kind of surprised to see that it was a yahoo article but originally is from national review which made sense 
Um, but the fact that um, that Yahoo actually ran the article, mm-hmm. um, I thought was really interesting. But the title of the article is uh, Why American Children Stopped Believing in God. Why American Children Stopped Believing in God. Now, let me say this. <clears throat> because <laughs> we've already gone around this mountain. Okay. <laughs> All right. Mm. We've already gone around this mountain. And what is going to happen? Let me just, you know, let me just tell you, right? What is going to happen is that there will be a surge of emotions as we work our way through this article. I'm going to read quite a bit of it, which is, again, whenever I'm doing that, know that that's not my custom because I feel like I feel like all of you people read well or good (laughs) on your own. (laughs) All you people read good on your own. So I don't think you expect that you're going to tune in and hear us just read articles to you. I don't want to do that. But there there is the time or there are times when I think the person who wrote it originally said it best. Mm -hmm. And to hear this person in his or her own words, I think hits the bullseye, hits the mark. And, And so this is one of those articles. And frankly, it allows me to say this is what the man said. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And not this is just my thought, you know, because sometimes that can be a little bit like, well, look, I need to tell you something. Um, And that's fine. You can still do that. I mean, you know, Um, but it it also serves for me as a point of like confirmation where you get to say, hey, listen, this this is undeniable. Right. So we're going to work our way through this article um, again, written by a man named Cameron uh, Hilditch. I think is how you say the last name Hilditch Mm -hmm. um, at National Review. And it was picked up. It was uh, run by Yahoo. Which, That's which is crazy. I, I as I was reading, the, yeah, I kept going back and I kept going. Was this really? This was really <laughs> Yahoo. I can't believe that they did that, you know. And but they did. And so, anyways, this is a it was a run on Yahoo.com, but originally from National Review. Okay, and the headline or the title of the the article: Why American Children Stop Believing in God. And again, put this in the category of if we're taking inventory as we go into 2021, what of the children? And what of the children? Like what, you know, what do, what are our thoughts and what are, what are our hopes for our offspring? What do we want? You know, go ahead, Will the Great. You're going to elaborate on that? Yeah, no, I was going to say, I was thinking that if we had something that look, looking forward to 2021, that we as Christians should say, Hey, I want to do this better. Or, you know, our people have those different things. I think we should have a focus, a renewed focus on, you know, uh, our children and indoctrinating them in the ways mm-hmm. of the Lord. Like, I think if there's anything that we can yes. focus on, you know, man, that should be uh, high on the list. Uh, seeing where we are now and what's going on, how do we uh, really pass down the faith to this next generation and not drop the ball, yes. you know, uh, you know, as far as like uh, discipleship goes and training and you know, just living before them in a godly fashion. I think that should be high on the list. Yes. And, and I, and I will tell you the, the way that we get there is uh, by first being honest, where we have to say we're losing uh, generations of the church. We have to be honest. Like we don't, we don't want that to be so. So we kind of continue with our rose colored glasses, you know, just everything is just sort of lightly airbrushed. And and I'm like, at what point do you say, you know, that's graffiti. That's yeah, not airbrushed. Right. You know what I mean? That that's not that's that's it's bad, you know? And and I, I was I had this conversation with my mom um over the Christmas holiday because we were discussing um another another loss of um a Christian 
Christian offspring. I'm going to say it that way. Mm -hmm. And I say it that way so that we can feel the weight of it. Right. And immediately, man, my mom just um, started praying and interceding, like just right on the spot, crying out for this precious child who it is evident has walked away from the faith. Right. Mm -hmm. And um, we know she grew up in the truth. We know she knows what the truth is, but has willfully rejected that, you know, and in the course of this this um, exchange with my mom where we were talking about this and then my mom just immediately starts praying. And um, it's just w- such a moment that I feel like what if every time we observed this, this is what happened. Mm. Like we were moved to pray and to intercede, wow. like not just to be like shaking our head and like, oh, I can't believe that kid's doing that. But like we saw it wow. as um, as an actual casualty That's of good. war like yeah you know what i mean if you, if you think about what is going on and so i i suggested to my mom and it's something that i've been kind of stewing over since i said it i said you know i wonder if we would be more bothered by the enemy snatching our children if they were physically abducted right like wow. imagine yeah. that your kids were like wrestled away from you right mm-hmm. just like physically take you would not just shake your head and be like, mm, can't believe that they're going. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You wouldn't right. do that. You're but right. for some reason, spiritually speaking, when our kids turn away from the faith or when they start to um, entertain destructive doctrine, um, heresies and things like that, or they are adversely influenced away from the things of God, we tend to have this thought of like, mm, you know, they'll come back. Well, mm. you know, I, I remember I was, but, but that, why? Why do we do that? And the only reason that or the only conclusion that I can come to is that we do not understand what really happens when our kids reject the faith. Mm. We kind of think that um, it is a rejection of just our traditions. Well, they just are not like I was when I was growing up. But, you know, they still love Jesus. You know what I mean? Like, right. so we don't feel the weight of it. It's like we want to, you know, again, be nicer than Jesus. So we, re- we, um, sort of loosen the, re- the, the requirements. It yeah. doesn't, it doesn't yeah. take all of that. And so they're okay. Yeah. The kids are all okay. But I think really the alarm must be sounded and, and, and man, people have been sounding the alarm, right? Yeah. Like people are saying, Hey, listen, we are losing generations of the church. Um, and we're losing them in droves. It's not like, you know, one man. here, one there, we're losing them in droves. I call it hemorrhaging. Yeah. You right. Know- like the, yeah, I would, I would have to say, too, that the church and some of its teachings has has been uh, complicit in this because you kind of alluded Agreed. to this. You know, mm-hmm. like I've heard taught, uh, you know, train up a child in the way they, they should go. And when they get older, they won't depart or, you know, like saying things to where the seed, you know, you, they, you raise them in church. So it's in them. They're going to come back. And that's not necessarily true. You know, mm-hmm. right. they, they may go out there and not come back. Mm-hmm. Not even be alive, you know, yeah, right. um, and I think some of the mindset has been, like you said, you know, OK, man, I, I, I'm, they're going to come back or they're going to do this and that. And I and I, I think that's kind of naive for us to just mm-hmm. think that way and, and, and not have more of a sobering mindset towards that and say, no, no, it's it's important that I, you know, uh, and disciple and instruct my kids that I'm mm-hmm. uh, uh that they see me living out the faith and if they begin to like get off focus and and, and begin to turn certain ways man that's a red alert like it's that's not exactly just like right. oh well they just growing and sowing their wild oats no no yeah and you know it it almost it it kind of um 
seems to be a little bit of a trampling on the mercy that God extended to us. Like, so for example, if your testimony is, well, you know, I, I, I kind of walked away from the Lord. I, I was doing my own thing and then I came back. You don't set that as the rule the standard, and say right. that that's the standard. The right. standard is better word. You don't set that as the standard. You know, you say, man, that's God's amazing grace. I never want my children to go through that. Right. I never want my children to walk through that because there is no guarantee that they will come to their senses and, and realize that they're eating with the pigs. Right. There's no guarantee that that's going right. to happen. Um, some of them die eating with the pigs. Come on. Right. And so what now and what I think is more alarming is that we have normalized this kind of mediocre living mm-hmm. where we just let everything in and we say all of that's Christian. Well, if you go to the scriptures, we see that, number one, there is a high standard when you talk about, uh, you know, associating with the things of God. And you certainly you look at the early church and you don't have people just gathering because it's a, sh- a social club. Right. Right. Like you, you truly have the called out ones who have assembled together and what they have in common is that they have been called out. Right. What they have in common is not their desire for, oh, you know what? We just we just want to have friends. No, they are associated with each other because they have first been called out. Mm. And so that's number one. We've missed that in the church because we just tell people come and belong. Mm. We mm. get those things. Remember, we were talking about this, yeah. like the order, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, we tell people come and belong when at first we should tell people who believe. Yes. Who believe. Right now, that does not mean that does not mean that there will not be people who will walk into our midst. Mm-hmm. Right. The gathering of the believers. The Bible even speaks to this. Mm-hmm. OK. People will come in. They're not yet believers. So, yes, of course, the church wants to reach out to those people. Right. And then, of course, they say nothing of the fact that we are supposed to also have evangelists who are part of the body of Christ. Right. Right. We're supposed to be sharing our faith. But you you do not reduce the church <laughs> to cater to the one who happens to walk in. Mm. No, the church is for the called out ones. The, the, in fact, the church is the called out ones. On. Right. And so we have with our children tried to create this environment where we make less of Christ so that they can be cool and accepted, which the article we're going to get into today on the other side of this break. You'll see that the desire for popularity. And this is why we've said, man, preserve the peculiar. Mm. preserve the peculiar your kids are not supposed to be like the ones around them and in fact the craving of popularity is what has made our kids vulnerable in the american context the craving of popularity to be like those around them to not stand out this is why we say you've got to be comfortable being peculiar Our kids have got to learn that if they are Bible-believing Christians, they are the minority, and they've got to be all right with that. No more of this, I want them to be popular and well-liked. Because being a Christian in 21st century America does not equate to being well-liked. Aaron the Addison's American Family Radio. We'll be right back. And if it's God that I'm after, I just can't serve two masters. Before something happens, I gotta turn it all around because I know I can't just have my cake and eat it too. Cause it's real easy to stay on the fence and still do you. And it'd be cool if we could love the Lord and still go do our thing. But see, it doesn't work like that. You gotta be white or black. Welcome back to Aaron the Addison's on American Family Radio. Um, we appreciate you listening. I'm Miki. And I'm Will, and there's no gray by Jonathan McReynolds. 
Man, that's that's appropriate. You know, <laughs> we talk about uh, fortifying our kids and, and readying them for the world that they are living in right now, not the world that they're going to live in for a long time. That's what we said. The world they're going to live in, but the world uh, that they're living here. in right now, we're here. <laughs> we are here. Yes. And this is what it looks like. We wondered. Um, this is what it looks like. And anyways, um, so I want to I want to spend some time reading this article that you sent, and I actually went ahead and got the American Enterprise Institute. Um, study or report is is what it is and started reading it and it's a lengthy report but I think it's well worth it but um, it's from this particular report that uh, it's the it's promise and peril is the name of the report the history of American religiosity Hmm. and its recent decline so that's the report from the American Enterprise Institute Um, a writer over at National Review man by the name of Cameron Hilditch uh, wrote an op-ed uh, regarding this report, which I found fascinating. And I thought, you know, if the Lord is warning his people, I mean, I think of the things that you've been talking about, um, Will the Great, you know, talking about the three Hebrew boys and, mm-hmm. and, and talking about their resolve, you know, and um, just how must they have been raised, you know, to be able to yeah. be um, exiled, but to, to not want to dishonor the Lord and things like that. And that's something that was a burden of your heart. And you've been talking about that. How do we ready our kids as we look ahead, you know, thinking again, because this is what we do around this time of year, 2021, how do we live for the glory of God? Well, part of that living is that we also rear our kids, protect our kids and ready our kids for the world that they're living in right now. Not the world they're going to live in, but the world that they're living in right now. And it's probably going to get worse. Right. Um, but right now it's pretty bad. Yeah. Uh, I just want to say just yeah. to say that. So, again, here it is. This is the article. We'll read it. And, and what I'll try to do. Will the great only stop me if it seems that there is a, a point that's unclear? Because okay. I know me. I can get, you know. <laughs> right. And so I want to get through this because I think that um, Cameron Hilditch does a great job of capturing what is important, I would say, to parents from this report uh, from the American Enterprise Institute. Uh, his his piece is why American children stop believing in God, which, again, was picked up by Yahoo. <laughs> I don't understand That's it. That's crazy. Here we go. I'll just begin. In a report released earlier this year from the American Enterprise Institute, Lyman Stone tracked the history of religious belief, behavior, and association in the United States since its founding. Stone's research helps us to understand the decline of religious faith in America over the past 60 years. Secularization is, to be true or to be sure, a hugely overdetermined development in American history, and just about everyone has a theory about how it's happened and why. Religious conservatives would probably cite the loosening of the country's morals that began in the 60s and 70s. Secular progressives might mutter something about the onward march of science and reason over time. But the data seem to show that the main driver of secularization in the United States has been the acceleration of government spending on education. Let Hmm. me read that again. But the data seem to show that the main driver of secularization in the United States has been the acceleration of government spending on education and government control over the curricular content taught in schools. Mm. Well, family, I just would <laughs> at this point like to say again, this ran on yahoo.com. Yeah. I just would like to point that out. All right. I'll continue with the article here. Our secular progressive might raise his head again, perhaps feeling a bit smug about his finding about this finding and say, see, 
Children used to be deprived of education and the life of the mind. They were stuck in the doldrums of ignorance and squalor before the benevolent hand of the state reached down and lifted them up into the world of literacy and critical thought. All that was needed was a little education to free them from hokey superstitions. <laughs> That's what the liberal might say. You see, mm-hmm. we have we have we have taken those crazy religious nuts, okay, and we have brought them into the world of thought and critical thought hmm. to be specific mm-hmm. all right think about the criticisms mm-hmm. okay and and all of those ideologies that fall under that category all right so here we go it's a simple theory befitting the minds of those who have historically espoused it but it's falsified by the data stone cites the seminal work of Raphael frank and lawrence inacone i guess is how you say the last name on this point who meticulously tracked religious behavior over time in their own work according to frank and in a cone, higher educational attainment did not predict lower religiosity. This is an important point. Let me just drive it home here. I know many people can listen as well as they can read, but let me just make sure that people understand this point. In other words, what these two researchers found, okay, is not that educational attainment causes people to be less religious. Mm-hmm. Rather, what they found is that it is the type of education that one receives (laughs) which causes one to be less religious. Mm -hmm. So the liberal progressive would say, oh, see, it is because they have been enlightened that they have put off religion. But these researchers suggest it is not that they have been enlightened. It is what has enlightened them that has (laughs) caused them to put off religion. Now, that is very important to this article because as you follow it, it's huge Mm -hmm. as you follow it. And as you go along, because, see, when we say that we are rescuing our kids out of this culture, it is not that we are going to hide them in our basement to make Afghans. Right. Right. Like you're not you're not you're not trying to have free labor just out in your fields. It is that you are protecting them, making them ready for God. You are teaching them. Mm-hmm. You are educating them. You're, it's not that you're going to you, you want your kid to go out in the world and be like, oh, there's such a thing as reading. <laughs> oh, there's such a. No, that is absolutely not the thing. Right. But what you do not want. Let me get back to the article. OK, here we go. Right, I'm <laughs> that's sorry. good. OK. Good. I just want people to understand that. Now that's, that's, all right? a, that's a big point. Go ahead. OK. OK. So here we go. So according to Frank and in a cone, I guess is how you say the last name. I'm probably going to say his name different every time I say it. Higher educational attainment did not predict lower religiosity. More and less educated people are similarly religious. Mm -hmm. More and less educated people are similarly religious. Nor did they find that industrialized urban life reduces religiosity. Mm -hmm. A more urban and industrialized population was associated with greater religiosity. Hmm. The link between intellectual progression, modernization, and secularization is non-existent. Now, listen to this as Stone, getting back to the American Enterprise report, uh, Lyman Stone summarizes it this way. Theories that religion has declined because urbanization is hostile to religiosity or because modern educated people are inherently skeptical of religion get no support in the actual historic record. It turns out that religiosity is usually determined very early in life. Folks, mm. please lean in mm. at this point, okay? I'm leaning. Lean in. All right, okay. <laughs> All the data suggests that, by and large, kids brought up in religious households stay religious, and kids who aren't, don't. 
Hmm. Consequently, childhood religiosity has been and remains the most important indicator of America's religious trajectory. <laughs> Guys, okay, I'm, let me, okay. Yeah. The story of religious decline in America is not the story of adults conscious their forefathers. Mm-hmm. It's the story of each generation receiving a more secular upbringing than the generation preceding it. What accounts for this secularization of childhood over time? Taxpayer dollars. Okay. Um, that point again, because you cut out the story of religious decline in America is not the story of adults consciously rejecting the fate of their forefathers. It's, it's the, the story, story of yes. each generation receiving a more secular up- upbringing than the generation preceding it. What accounts for this secularization of childhood of, of childhood over time? Taxpayer Dollars? Taxpayer dollars. Okay. So childhood religiosity was heavily affected by government spending on education and to a lesser degree, government spending on old age pensions. And that's a that's a different angle of the story that I don't want to focus on so much. Mm-hmm. I want to focus on education and children. Thus, while more educated people were not less religious, societies that spent more public money on education were less religious. It is not, this article says, it is not educational attainment per se that reduces religiosity, but government control of education. Mm. Man. Government control <laughs> of education. Now, listen, okay. I, I can't believe jump. Yahoo ran this. I can't believe they anyway, did either, buddy. I, I'm just like, what are <laughs> you... What, it's like as if it's, you know, if people if people think that a lot of our critiques of culture are to be, you know, just sort of, well, that's just your, that's your position that's based on your conviction, mm-hmm. right? But here you have this, I mean, I'm always interested in the people who seemingly have no dogs in the race, you know, that that chime in and, and, and make these salient points where they're like, uh, actually, if you look at the research, the data suggests that the religious decline in America has declined because each generation is less religious and the generations have become less religious over time because with each generation, there is more government intrusion in our education. Mm. Yikes. Mm. So we keep sending our kids and this is what we say. This is what we say. We say, well, when I was in school, you know, it wasn't like, well, yeah, because also when you were in school, you also didn't have to worry about it being validated that a boy should come into the girl's bathroom declaring himself to be a girl. Did you? No, you didn't. You didn't. It's different. It's it's quite different. And so what we think. Okay, back. back (laughs) So back to the article I'm reading now. So how do we explain this link between education policy and religious belief, given that academic attainment itself isn't a factor? Okay, academic attainment. itself. So it's not inherently sinful or wicked or it's not inherently a deterrent from religion for your kids to be educated. All right. Mm -hmm. This is what the article says. It's quite simple, really. Children learn more at school than reading, writing and arithmetic. Come on. It's like, that's it. That's like, that should have been magnified in in bold letters. (laughs) But in bold letters. All right. Children learn more at school than reading, writing, and arithmetic. They imbibe a whole set of implied assumptions about what's important in life. By (laughs) excluding religious instruction from public schools, the government-run education system 
tacitly teaches students and hmm, that religious commitments are not a first order priority in life. Man. Bro. Guys, this is why we're losing. This, <laughs> this is, is this exactly is the reason why. for the hemorrhage. Okay, I'm going to continue. Faith in God becomes a sort of optional weekend hobby akin to playing tennis or video games. Man. Christ and Moses are treated by teachers <laughs> and administrators like weapons or drugs confiscated upon discovery. Mm. Now, <laughs> man. Again, this is why we are taking the temperature right now. This is what are we are, are we protecting our children now it doesn't get any clearer than this i think right. right when you say there is a hemorrhage that's happening in the church we are losing generations of children and we're losing them in droves and then we say we don't understand why because we send them off to learn from a culture that despises god in fact the very basis for the education is that you don't need god so it starts without him come on it man. starts without him man and yet we think that we'll take you know the 3 maybe 4 hours we have and we call it a right. late night once they get home in the midst of preparing dinner and we're going to be able to pull all of that out of them. And look, we think somehow we're going to spiritually vacuum that out <laughs> and then write on the mainframe again and then send them back. And if you, if you think about how education was when this country was started, it started with the Bible and church. And, you know, that was, yes, yes. you know, you can see what Kids the decline. Read, reading the exactly, Bible. exactly. So you can see that in, in the history of this country and the decline you know, it's right online with what's not being promoted and highlighted in our educational system. Man, exactly. I mean, you can see it. So I'm telling you. And, and I think the strong caution is that we don't continue to kid ourselves, that we yeah. don't continue to say that our kids are OK, because yeah. this is why we have kids. Now, listen, listen, there will be people <laughs> who will say. Well, look, my kid went to school and they turned out, but you should be praising God Man. because of that. That's not the right. standard. Not that the... is not what is automatic. Right. That's not the given. That's the exception. Yeah. Do you understand? We hit, we I, get look, the emails. I, we, we know. We, so we, look. I know. <laughs> yeah, look, look, if but your child you is, is, other... is succeeding and doing well and, and has done well and has uh, retained the faith in God, like you said, Miki, Praise God, because there are so many who have not so many who have not who fell by the wayside because of what we're talking about right now was been indoctrinated uh, in this system. Man, you know how you know how we say um, we have taught our kids to desire popularity. You know, we've taught our kids uh, to desire to be accepted. Uh, school prepares them for this. That happens in a larger context once they're out in the world, right? That mm -hmm. If everybody is doing this, then you need to do this. Even the individuals are a part of a group, which is not individualistic. Okay, so everybody, <laughs> you know, it's like the, you know, so we we train our kids. We don't mean to do this, but we train our kids that they need to be popular. They need to be wealthy. Um, they need to be well accepted. They need to have a lot of friends. They need to be validated by those friends, right? So our kids learn that these are all the things that matter. They also learn that if there is not a common thought that they are a part of or that they subscribe to, then that makes them weird and peculiar. And anything like that, spiritually speaking, I'm, and I'm not talking about because you notice that our culture also is trying to normalize weird but it is a certain type of weird mm. right so but if you say that jesus is the only way to god that is a weird that we do not accept that is a peculiarity that we do not validate mm. but because we have taught our kids to desire popularity 
they don't know how to distinguish between that kind of peculiar, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying, and then the, the peculiar that the world accepts. All right, we got to grab the break, which, all right, we'll grab the break. Aaron <laughs> the Addison's American Family Radio, and we will be right back. How do we explain this link between education policy and religious belief, given that academic attainment isn't in itself a factor? It's quite simple, really. Children learn more at school than reading, writing, and arithmetic. They imbibe a whole set of implied assumptions about what's important in life. Hmm. By excluding religious instruction from public schools, the government-run education system tacitly teaches students that religious commitments are not a first order priority in life. Faith in God becomes a sort of optional weekend hobby akin to playing tennis or video games. Christ and Moses are treated by teachers and administrators like weapons or drugs confiscated upon discovery. In this way, The hierarchy of values communicated both explicitly and implicitly to students in American high schools excludes religious claims from the outset. Now, listen, college, career and popularity become the existential targets toward which the arrow of each student's soul is aimed Hmm. by bow wielding commissars across the country Hmm. in a context such as this secularization becomes unavoidable. In other words, when you shape a kid's thinking about what is important, what what is of first and greatest importance, and you exclude God from that, you set them on a trajectory where just then forever excluded. Mm. Your Sundays, your weekends, and all of those things, those are your extracurricular activities, and God fits into that category. He's not of greatest importance. Man. Your education is. Now, here's something else that is important from this article. By the way, welcome back. This is Aaron the Addisons on American Family Radio. I'm Miki. And I'm Will, and that was Palace in you, Lord. We're looking at this article, Why American Children Stop Believing in God, uh, written by Cameron Hilditch. And he uh, wrote this based on a report that was released earlier in 2020 from the American Enterprise Institute, uh, by, written by Lamont authored by Lyman Stone, Mm -hmm. where he tracked the history of religious belief, behavior, and association in the United States of America since its founding. And one of the things that Hilditch pulls out in looking at this is that um, the source of the decline of religion in America has been the increase in government spending on education and also deciding what the curricula will look like. The Mm -hmm. government deciding what the curricula will look like all across this country. So he's at the point now where he's talking about um, because we condition our kids to want to be popular, they they desire that. uh, And then what is popular is also held up in front of them. Uh, And let me just pick up with the article here. Hilditch again writing. This is from National Review picked up by Yahoo. Insane. (laughs) The popular culture of schools and institutions drives decline as well. The popular culture of schools and institutions drives decline 
as well. Now, let me say something about this. Um, Will and I had this conviction before reading this article here. Okay. It is not a default setting of ours that our kids will go off to university. Right. And I know some people just gasp, clutch their pearls, could not believe it. (laughs) I don't see any reason that that should be our automatic default, except that we have normalized that in our culture. Right. Right. And to me, that is the last ditch effort of indoctrination that our culture has. It's the last effort that they have to write on the tablets of our kids' minds and hearts before they go out into the quote unquote real world. So even if you educate them at home, okay, maybe we didn't get them, you know, K-12, we didn't get them. But hey, if you want them to be, you know, those people, Hmm. you're going to have to pass them through our university. So we'll get to baptize (laughs) them then. Yep. Okay. So here, here is our conviction. Our conviction is that the Lord will tell us what each one of our children is supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And for some, maybe if it be the will of God, they will go off to university because that is what he wants them to do. But for some still, that may not be God's desire for them. So for us to see these things as automatic, meaning we give no prayer to it. We give no diligence in seeking the Lord. Like, Lord, you've designed these children. You've given us these children. Don't you have a plan a purpose for their life? Isn't it only fitting that we should seek you and we should ask, Lord, what is it that you desire for this ch- these children? As it is, we're not doing this because the culture has already told us what all of the steps are for the rearing of children. Without regard to the word of God, without regard to the standards of God, mm-hmm. the culture has already told us the order of operation. And, 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 and really the culture says, and I'm personifying the culture. I know that the culture is made up of people, but for the sake of this discussion, you see what I mean. The culture says at four, you give them to us. At four, you give them to us. Yep. And then we'll take them from there right up until, you know, they're gainfully employed. <laughs> right. And, 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 and you can fit, <laughs> foot the bill for as long as you can. Mm-hmm. All right. But really what we want to do is make the type of people that we want to live in society with. And, and, and I will tell you, it does not stop after high school. Right. It continues on. So we have to now in the moments where we can, like J.D. was saying, you know, if you want to leave an imprint on clay, you want to leave that imprint when it's soft. Mm-hmm. Right. You don't wait until it hardens because then you it, no, nothing's getting pr- printed on that. <laughs> so while our kids are, so to speak, soft and impressionable, we should be declaring for them the things of God and showing them that there is not anything that they're going to learn that they're going to master, that excludes God. God is involved in all of that. Amen. Amen. This this knowledge and, and, you know, research and searching things out and discovery and all of these things, the scientists, uh, the sciences, mathematics, art, literature, all of these things, we must give glory to God. How is it that God glorifies himself in the learning of these things? That must be first and foremost in front of our kids. And because we have a secular and, and I would say, I would say overtly rebellious government run school system. That is not first and foremost for our children. Mm-hmm. Listen. When I look at this article, and I'll open the phone lines here. Um, I know we only have a few minutes. 888-589-8840. Brother Richard is over in Studio CC, and he'll take your calls. 888-589-8840. And just as quickly as you get on, we'll go to you to get your take on this. Because remember, we're looking at this in the context of, man, what are the things that we need to do differently? If we take a spiritual inventory, if we look at where we are, you know, what about the children? 
Right. If our children are being wrestled away from us spiritually, would it bother us more if they were being physically abducted? You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. No, you're right. And let me say this. The the people who desire to have the minds of our children, they understand all of this. Like they understand the importance Absolutely. of getting them early, keeping them in a certain system where they can be trained up, you know. And one thing, you know, when in reading the Bible about Daniel, uh, the Babylonians try to do this to, to Daniel mm-hmm. and his friends, you know. Like mm-hmm. they try to re-indoctrinate them, you know, for three years and, and teach them all this. But it didn't stick because they had already been doctrine indoctrinated you see yes and so it did they already understood and knew and that's another piece of not just sending our kids out there and say well i'm just gonna send them there they're gonna witness to their man if they're not ready they're not gonna do that they're gonna be taken hostage (laughs) no they will be caught up in the system as it is designed to catch them up the system is designed to create a type of child we we have to understand that if it is that Every child learns all of this by this point and these if the system is designed to to cultivate a type of child to create a type of child why is it that we think our child in that system will not be the right. type of child that they are designed to be like right. they, let me read this last thing and then we'll go to the phone lines here again uh Hildich writing for National Review most researchers have found that education related variables can explain nearly the totality of change in religiosity For religious conservatives who care about the fate of American culture, it cannot be emphasized enough that education is the whole ballgame. All other policy areas amount to little more than tinkering around the edges. How we got to a place where this is the case is a sad story in and of itself. Nevertheless, it remains the case that public schools often are not a smooth fit for conservative families, especially religious ones. And I'll end with this and then we'll go to the phone lines. The time has come for religious parents to take their children back from the state. It simply will not do any more for faithful Americans to drop their sons and daughters off at the curbside every morning for the government to collect as if they were taking out the trash. Ah, guys, this (sighs) must be given prayer. Yeah. Yeah. Must be given yeah. prayer. He also goes on and we don't have time, but he, he offers suggestions like how we're going to have to work together to form cooperatives, how we can work together to help educate our children. Listen, I'm I'm not saying we we need a monks type thing where we retreat from the culture. But listen, sending our kids to schools over which we have no control is not the answer. It's not the solution. I know for many parents, private Christian school is not an option because it's cost prohibitive. Mm-hmm. Like it, it, you can't. You know, anyways. All right. Well, the great. Where do we go? All right. Let's go to Deanna in Texas. Hi, Deanna. Hi, Will. Hi, uh, uh, Mickey. I just want to know. Just got to let you know that. Hey, I have 20-somethings now. Actually, they're getting pretty old 20-somethings. 26 and 29. Both have been through public school and uh, public secular colleges. And I just have to say, I agree with everything that you said. And were it my choice again, and were I living it back through again, I would do something different. Mm. I would either homeschool or put my child, uh, both of them for that matter, in um, private school if Mm. I could possibly afford it. At the time Mm. that I considered it for my oldest, which desperately needed to be somewhere else other than public school, I just didn't feel like financially we could do that, mm-hmm. and I felt like he was already so disrespectful to me that he wouldn't listen to me to homeschool. Mm. And so we continued on, 
that child has struggled a lot and is still not graduated, and that's the older child, and he'll be close to 30. Uh, and he's wow. gone down some really bad, bad, bad paths. But the yeah. worst of even all of that is the anti-Christian belief and mm. the anti-God and anti-everything. You know, it's just sad beyond belief. The, the daughter did better. Mm-hmm. and went to a secular school college and is involved in a church, uh, very involved in her church, helps run the cameras now. They have uh, community groups and everything's gone fine, but she's just kind of the exception to the norm. Yeah. That's exactly yeah. right, Deanna. It Thank is you, Deanna. Th- That becomes the exception. That is not what we ought to expect. In fact, that's not what the government schools expect that we should expect, okay? Right. So when you have a kid that comes out, with their faith intact, and they are living vibrant lives for Christ. They are unashamed. They are bold. Mm-hmm. They are, you know, <laughs> um, the government school system sees that as a failure. You understand? <laughs> like that, Man. they didn't get that child. Right. That's not what is expected. All right. Let's go to, the, to some more calls. There's so much I want to say, but we'll just, let's a couple go to more. calls we have queued up. All right. Let's go to Bill in West Virginia. Hi, Bill. Hi. How you doing? Good. Hello. Good. I just want to make a statement about, uh, I love your program today, too. Um, when this nation first started, the first textbook that were purchased for this country, 10,000 copies of the Holy Bible. Come on. That was used as a textbook. That's right. And Benjamin Rush, one of our signers, he was a doctor, but he was also put in charge of being our medical plan and starting our school systems. And he made this one, one statement that means an awful lot. The generation that removes the Bible from school will be the generation that starts spending all their time and money on crime. Mm-hmm. Look where mm. we're at. That's wow. exactly right. Wow. wow. Man. Wow. That's and, that's where, and that's where we are. That's true. It is because we have rejected the knowledge of God. You know, I was listening to, um, oh, my goodness. Uh, oh, goodness. I'm drawing a blank on his name. But who does the Christian history and teaches... Oh, Federer? goodness. Why am I? Wait. No, not Federer. Barton. Um, Barton. Thank you so much. David Barton. Um, David Barton was talking about how, um, you know, when our signers and those who gave speeches early on in the founding of this country, their speeches were often riddled with quotes from scripture mm-hmm. that we don't even catch today because we're not familiar with the scriptures, but everyone listening to them would have quote the ref- would have caught yeah. the references that they were, were quoted in their speeches. Yeah. All right, let's, let's squeeze in one more call. We'll be great. All right, let's go to David in Alabama. Hi, David. Hey, how are y'all? Good, good. Hello. Uh, I love your show and what you're speaking up about is, Christian parents especially need to hear this, but I'd like to share a brief little experience that we had when we went to orientation at Southern Miss over there in your state in Mississippi. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have I have an 18-year-old. Well, she was 18 at the time, but we went to orientation, and uh, there were not a whole lot of parents there with their students, so that's a mm-hmm. problem for one thing. Mm-hmm. But we sat all day in these different little segments of orientation, listening to the professors kind of give their spin about the school and all. And it was all about, hey, hey, student, this is your experience. Parents, you need to hand them over to us. Mm-hmm. You know, you've, you've had your chance. And so now it's our turn, and this is their experience. That's what the whole day was about. Well, wow. here's how our last session ended. That just really, I had to, I had to. Gotta go quick, David. We only got about a minute left. Okay. Well, well, one of the one of the ladies that was selling herself as kind of the uh, the student mom, mm-hmm. she said, 
you know, not only did I discover back when I went to school here, you know, 30 years ago, she said, not only did I discover my little Volkswagen would drive me to downtown Hattiesburg, I could also go to downtown New Orleans. And she said, students, if you decide to go to New Orleans, don't call and ask your parents permission. All you're going to do is cost them a sleepless night. You just go ahead and have fun, and then you can call them the next day and tell them what a great time David, David, oh my goodness. Okay, there's more to be said. All right, we got to go until tomorrow, Lord willing. God bless.